Oh man, dude. Like, honestly, th- th- these are things like in the moment you're like, damn, that sucks. But like, you know, 10 years later, you're like, these are the best stories and the best, th- like the climb was just unbelievable. Welcome to the Gift of Failure podcast. The show that asks one simple question, what has failure taught you? And what can you do with that failure to learn? Join me as I sit down with global icons, leaders from all walks of life to explore how they have used their experiences to evolve into greatness. Let's dive in. We have a special guest today. Alex is with us. Uh, he represents exactly 50% of yep. dubs. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think yesterday was the 10 year anniversary of the group even starting. Is that right, Alex? Correct. Uh, the The other 50% is my brother, Chris. And uh, we started it exactly March 21st, 2012. Yeah. And by the way, that's especially especially important for me personally. And I say that because I've obviously been a fan for years, Thank but you. that's also the Persian New Year, which is the spring equinox, which for Persians wow. um, is a holy day. And so it means new day technically. And so um, that has a lot of, you know, deep, you know, resonance, you know, for wow. me. And, you know, just a little bit about, you know, some of the listeners that might not know dubs. If you don't, you need to get familiar immediately. But you've definitely heard Tsunami. Tsunami was probably the first major, major hit they had. It has over a billion streams. And some people, you might not know it by name, but as soon as 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 that melody kicks in at the beginning, you know what it is. Um, Alex, thanks for being here, my brother. And um, what's going on in life? Tell Tell me what's up. Well, man, not much, you know, a crazy couple years, but, you know, taking the time and, and spent it wisely, you know, uh, you got to just shift with what, whatever comes your way. And uh, we spent the last two years pretty heavy in the studio. So when the world was going to open back up again, you know, we were prepared. Um, I would say that, you know, we found a lot of balance in, in spending all this time in the studio and it really brought our producer side of our business up. While the touring side, you know, was pretty impossible for most people, um, it was it was amazing for us because no one was on the road. So to get in the studio with some of the biggest artists was like, it, it was easier than ever. So right now, we're just sitting on some of the biggest records features in the game right now with, for us, especially. Yeah, that's dude. what I like to hear. So during COVID, you saw a lot of artists complaining and, and rightly so. I mean, I, I know they, they have a point in all that because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the food they're eating is coming from touring and things like that. Right. And, you know, some of them were outspoken saying, I lost $5 million in touring. I lost $10 million. I lost whatever and stayed in that mindset of that failure of this is bad, this is whatever. But what I'm hearing from you is you looked at what could have been a, a which was a tour failure and yep. actually spun it into something that turned sounds into a blessing. Am I missing something? It, like it was a complete blessing in disguise, not only for us personally, but for our brand and our business. And and I'll I'll run through that a little bit. So the record you uh, you said tsunami, it it was our breakthrough record. It's what basically got the world's eyes on us, and that released August of two thousand and thirteen. Um, wow, time August lies. 2013, we accepted to do a tour across America, 45 shows on a bus, 
for $500 a show while one of the biggest songs in the world was starting to bubble. So, you know, we kept our word, we did the tour, but as soon as the tour finished, we went from doing $500 a night on a tour bus to 50,000, 60,000 a night as soon as the tour was done. And, it, and you know, I got a call from, uh, I have my manager, Josh, and then his dad is over at Live Nation. He's one of the heads at Live Nation. And uh, he called me and he's like, listen, I don't know what the hell is going on right now, but you got to pack your bags and you got to go. Whatever it is, you got to go. So yes, you probably got that call from Michael Rapino. Michael Rapino is like, this is fire. Let's go. Dude, it was like, absolutely. It was like, you know what? What, what, what do we got to lose right now? You know, we're, we're two kids that dreamed of this. Um, we came from like the farmlands of Canada, man. So we, when we man. had that one chance to go, we ended up doing close to 200, 180, 220. We were, we were doing that many shows a year for six years straight. So yeah. That like, is brutal. It's brutal. You know, at the same time, like, we were on a different level of like a high, like this, this energy of like, like this song was organically going viral. It wasn't, there was no ad money being put into it. This was something yeah. touching from, from the organic sound of music, making people go crazy. Like those old videos you see people in like, you know, when the disco stages, like the whole room just starts dancing. Like it started getting like that and crazier and crazier and crazier till all of a sudden, like the world can sing it in unison. And for us, that was like that, that was the dream. So, you know, we really took that advice and we went, man, we did, we did 65, 70 countries a year, 200 shows a year for six years straight to a point where, believe it or not, you're human and you burn out. So by the time this all happened, that's the blessing and in disguise right there is where not only did we get to relax and actually recoup our health, but like I said, you know, getting in the studio with, with all these artists that should have been on the road that year. Um, but they're here, like, you know, we're, we're in Beverly Hills and, and they're 10, 15 minutes away. We have some of the craziest artists from all different genres of music pulling up to the studio. And Which is crazy. I mean, now you have, I mean, you have collaboration with Tiesto, I mean, with yeah. Martin. I mean, it just keeps going on and on. I and mean, like... on the EDM side of things, man. But even, even in the, like in the country space, like we got a record with Kane Brown that I'm, I'm waiting for it to drop. Like it, it's, and it's insane. It's like these, it's just crazy genre bending like records that, you know, it, it took this time for us to, to just sit and be like, you know what? Like, it's all good. We're not going to hit the road. We're going to lose some money. But between me and you, like we've made, we've made a good amount of money in these years that already mentally, I want to use my brain how to flip this money now, you know? Yep. Yeah. And and, and it's clear that y'all y'all become masters, masters in your crafts. Like, was there ever a time when, because, you know, were y'all trained like in like a traditional musical sense in any regard? Like did any of you play the guitar or the violin or piano, like growing up musical family, or is this just something that was in your soul and it just projected and happened? Like, where did this come from? We were uh, we were soccer players. Um, to be Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, Chris is rolling out. <laughs> he just got out of the shower. That's so funny. I'm gonna say what's up. Yo, Chris, roll through. Come say what up. <laughs> <laughs> He's checking his weed plants in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're in California. It's all legal. You're it's good. All legal here, man. Um, so yeah, dude, we uh. 
we were soccer players and we actually played at the highest level where we ended up playing in uh in england um we ended Fire. up playing uh in manchester and i was about 15 years old and like our dedication to the sport of soccer was at the highest level man that's what we wanted to do uh, unfortunately i played the same uh i played the same position as this uh the coach's son so i didn't have much playing time when i went across seas there so when i came home it's when music actually clicked in with us hey um, well, that's a good that's a good thing that happened Another thing right there where it's like you know there's a lot of these curveballs that are happening where um you got to run with the punches and and chris picked up guitar and taught me how to play a little bit of guitar and then next thing you know he was like you know if you're gonna play guitar i'm gonna pick up the drums and next thing you know like we're, we're, we're jamming like nirvana covers in my mom's basement like until 2 a.m like we were on some punk stuff like our whole childhood was like soccer going to punk shows then punk turned into more like rock and classic so were y'all were y'all yeah. were y'all an influence at all i know it's a totally different generation but were y'all influenced by the ramones at all 100 percent. yeah yeah and, and, and for some reason i feel some of that vibe sometimes come through in some of the music and anybody that knows me knows i'm a music fucking head you know but i i hear a little bit of that just that slight influence because to me I and mean, they were the coolest on the I mean, they, they had it when they had it right i mean just nobody i mean we know that 100%. and I, I feel a little bit of that and like eclectic nature of the music but would the industry see that like i can hear some you know pick whatever big executive you know uh, i'll pick on la reed you know or whatever you say la reed was like would they look at that and say no 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 your box is edm your box is right. this like meaning so like is that would that be seen by a lot of people as super risky or a failure of your genre but you need well, to be innovative like how does that work our, our biggest thing was, was we're gonna break down like every single thing we did that come into the electronic scene was unorthodox like we broke down the boxes from the very beginning and rightfully so like we 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 made it known that you know what like we're gonna be punk we're gonna be badass we're gonna do what we do best because to be honest even the earliest shows he would trigger out all his drum sets so they had electronic sounds i was still playing guitar and screaming on a mic and yelling and singing and all this stuff we had a keys player live, so we were a live electronic band insane i never knew that it's crazy it wasn't until our first u.s tour with live nation that they called us up and they go hey there's a big tour going across america cascade dead mouse all these guys are going to be playing it and we want you first on opening the, the the amphitheater so we get there with our drum sets we drove a pickup truck to the shows actually the first show was in houston um no way yeah we did a whole the all the first five shows were like southern shows like houston and uh we went to north carolina and like chattanooga like all these places i've never been before and we show up there and they're like yeah you're not putting those drums here because the fire right there is going to explode them <laughs> so so we're like what do you mean we're, we're, chris is like i'm a drummer man like what do you mean like he's trying to act all punk still and then honestly they was in that moment where we called their manager and he's like figure it out man like this is the boom what's happening and this is how it's gonna go so it was like two three days before those shows that we're trying to learn how to figure out our new set on cdj's so that's like, that's so that's so like, fire you yeah and we went with the, we went with the punches man like i remember like the first show we're like okay it was all right second show like complete disaster like like 
a whole amphitheater like jumping going crazy and something happens on the machine where like the mixer like unplugs and the whole music cuts out everyone's just booing us we're like okay <laughs> well well you take it and you run with it mike tyson used to say everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face oh man dude like honestly th these are things like in the moment you're like damn that sucks but like you know 10 years later you're like these are the best stories and the best th like the climb was just unbelievable you know, and, that, and tell me, tell me about that. Like at this point in your life, I mean, you know, obviously y'all have reached massive success. Everybody knows that you have millions and millions of active listeners on Spotify and all this stuff. And, you know, millions of followers, you know, throughout your stuff, people feel the vibe. Like, yeah, what, what, what to you right now is success? And, you know, what does failure have to do with that to you? Like, what does success mean to you right now? Or maybe what it meant and what does it mean now and what does failure have to do with that success if anything yeah i mean like first off like success in this moment for us i would have to say is the fact that we've created our art form our life out of our art form is the greatest feeling and the greatest part of success for us it's it's we get to wake up and make music and talk to cool people and and explain our story a bit because not everyone knows our story yet because you know we do keep some some uh mystique to our brand like there's no yeah. question this is maybe the second podcast we've ever done like ever um and it doesn't it, it just comes from you know i do appreciate some of the older artists that aren't giving away just everything all day long on social media you know like we like to build the story and now 10 years through there's so many stories of the world haven't heard that when we put it together in a book or a documentary or something, it, it's going to be mind blowing. And that's why I, I love that I'm here right now to share some of those. But yeah, like I can retire tomorrow and and my Canadian came out there on the tomorrow. I liked it. I liked um, it. What, oh, so, some of my best some of my best friends in the entire world are, are, for, are from are from Canada. So I, I love my Canadian you're, you're accent. hearing that through all the XO dudes tomorrow. Um, yeah, dude, uh, I could retire tomorrow, and I, I feel that on the music side of things, like, I've, I'm, I'm very, very happy with where we've come. Even though I'm the crazy person that says, no, nah, like, I'm 10% in, and I still got another 90% to go, deep down, I know if, if someone was like, hey, man, like, switch it up, go, go figure something else. You I'm would. Still, I'm still proud, because not only did we push ourselves, like, physically and mentally, like, this stuff isn't easy and I'll bring it back a little bit. We, we basically made music all through our young teens and Chris got a soccer scholarship to go to university. Um, so we took the scholarship and that was the first time that, you know, was he, was he better than you at soccer? Um, I would say like, like he was, he was a left midfield, like super hustler. I was kind of like lazy striker scored all the goals. And that's kind of so like, you're, you're trying to tell me you, you were more messy. He was more uh, Ronaldo. 100%, 100% exact dynamic on that. But I always had to play up. I always had to play up like a year or two because my mom didn't want to travel like and, and just keep driving us to all these different cities and practices and stuff. So I was actually playing with like the uh, with the big dogs and these kids are already like grown ass men. And I'm just like a little kid getting like stomped out on the field, but it was good, man. It, it, it made me have that, like that feist in me. And, um, when he went to university for the soccer scholarship, like the only way we really connected was just through music stuff still. Cause like, 
I was recording stuff on guitar and vocals and sending it to him. And that's when he started to learn how to produce in university on Ableton. So he was taking my vocals and remixing them just on some like bro shit, like sending it back to me. And I was like, yo, this sounds like pretty interesting. Like I haven't heard this kind of like EDM electronic crossover because it didn't hit America yet. This is 2008, 2009. So by the time 2011 came, his school was doing a, a joint competition with MTV of Canada. It was basically called Disband. And it was a showcase and whoever wins the whole showcase across Canada gets their own TV show. So Sick. he goes, he goes into the office and he goes, Hey, uh, I got this group where, uh, at the time we we're D U B B S cause we didn't get the trademark for that. He's like, uh, we're a group called dubs. We like to perform the guy's like, okay, like, let's see what you got. Plays him a couple songs. He's like, all right, I'll kick this guy off the show and you guys are on. So we went, did the show. It was like one of the most nerve wracking things. It was the first time we actually got to showcase what we were working on, like over the computer for the last year or two. And we ended up winning the whole competition. So killing him. But we, yeah, we, we shut it down. Um, the A&Rs were there. Agencies were there. We got our first booking agent off after that show. Um, and we had a, a record deal from universal. Um, so they, they threw the, they, they threw the contract on the table and at that time, I'm now about to enter business school downtown Toronto at a place called Ryerson. Um, but my, my head is in my heart is completely locked into this like music thing. I got yeah. a shot, mom, I got a deal on the table. My parents don't want me to drop out of school. Um, oh. yeah. What would parents do? No, exactly. So, you know, next thing you know, we, we end up signing this deal, the universal, which, um, comes another blessing and curse at the same well, time. Well, that was probably a big failure. That was probably a big failure in their eyes. They probably looked at that decision as a big failure on your part, whether they're, you know, obviously you were right, but I'm sure they looked at that as you oh, making a colossal mistake and, and oh, failing, yeah. right? You know, and I'll ask you, I'll ask you another, another question. What is like, what would you define as the biggest failure of your life? Like, I mean, what do you that, think is the that, biggest that thing up, you fucked up? Sorry, sorry not to cut you off, but that ended up shaping up to be one of the first biggest failures of our career because we ended, up, we ended up signing a deal without proper management and um, we ended up signing a deal without a good lawyer and it ended up being one of the happiest quick moments to realizing holy, this industry is full of sharks and they're not nice sharks. Um, Canada is a great, great place, but for the entertainment industry, the government gives away a lot of grants to artists. And when there's free money, come the sharks. So what happened was we were, you know, char getting charged 30 grand for uh, a video or marketing, but they were already given 30 grand from the government for free. So they were double charging us. And next, you know, putting us in the red. And that's what they're doing to a lot of Canadian artists. And that's why you don't hear of a lot of these artists that don't make it out of there because they end up, their careers end up getting flatlined before they can even step foot on U.S. soil. So do you believe that that, you know, not getting the right lawyers, not getting all those things, clearly that was a, a big, it was a big, you know, failure, mistake, whatever you want to call it. Yep. But what did that unlock for you once you broke that? Was that the eye-opening moment? You're like, holy shit, as you said, these are sharks. I need the best lawyers in the world. I need the best managers in the world, whatever it did Is that, was that fuck up the thing that led to create this institutional 
you know, like certified I, I, brand that you've created? I, I carry it pretty heavy in my heart, but you know, like many moments in my life, I believe we have like angels, like, like actual angels that are watching over us. And two weeks into that mess that was going on where they were basically saying they're never going to release our music again. And we're going to go through a big lawsuit because I was calling them out on it. And they were trying to hide as much as they possibly could. In that two weeks, I get a Facebook message from a guy named Josh Herman, who ends up becoming my day one manager, who I'm still with to this day. And he goes, hey, I like what you guys are doing. Can I, uh, can I meet up with you guys? And, and we talk some music stuff. We meet up with him. He's like a young guy. He's two years older than my brother. Um, so I'm 30, Chris is 32, and Josh is 33. I'm like, he's young. So I'm like, you know, in my head, I didn't, in, I didn't envision a very young guy at the time. He was 20 years old when he found us. Yeah, yeah. old soul. He probably had the experience and you know. Well, next thing you know, he goes, hey, can I fly you guys to LA and introduce you to my dad? Next thing you know, I'm like, okay. So we fly to LA. His dad's one of the, you know, top, top guys at Live Nation. He just, he just got put in the Hall of Fame for reuniting Guns N' Roses. Um, uh, he, he was by the way, one-on-one -on -one with Prince his whole career, you know, uh, just, just, so when I realized these are the guys that are going to become our team, they took care of everything, everything that they basically, he knew the owner of Universal and gave him a call and said, these are my guys now. I know, I know what's going on. We know exactly what's going on. So this contract is void or else there's going to be issues on the other end with things you want to do through Live Nation. Contract got ripped up. Two weeks later, we packed our bags and moved to Los Angeles with a with with a couple thousand dollars in our pockets. It wasn't much, but it, it got our, it got our feet wet for the first you know six to eight weeks in LA. Well, let me let me tell you something about a few thousand bucks. I started my real estate company, which as you know is not small. I guess is the way to put it. <laughs> um, but I started it with a three thousand dollar loan, man. Wow. I love that. Literally, you know, literally. So I, I have so wow, much love so in my heart bro, for like, like people yeah. that did it that way. Dude, it's, it's a whole different, you know, like it's a whole different mentality when, when you're really, when you're really trying to figure out what's going to happen next month, what's going to happen the month after, how hard are we going to have to go right now? You know, we moved to LA, but we moved into a house with, you know, five six homies and there was only four bedrooms and chris was on the couch and i was trying to get 300 400 bucks from everyone for their room and trying to trying to finesse it until like i said these angels man we we had a moment four months into that house is where we wrote a song called gold skies and two weeks later we ended up writing tsunami and by wow. that august I'm, I'm telling everyone, hey, like this was an amazing house. I was tripping in the beginning, but things are working out for us. I'm going to have to pack up because we got to hit the road. Like it's our time. No, this is, there's no question that, that it's your time. And um, this is, this is just the beginning, man. Like uh, I've been following music my entire life. I mean, what you guys are doing is unique, is special, um, you know, great human beings. Thank I'm a you. huge, I'm a huge fan. My kids are fans, like meaning like my, you know, six year old and nine year old listen to these records and they love them. Like meaning it transcends, you know, generations. Oh, wow. and, you know, and, that, and that's no cap. I mean, that, that's, that's real. And, 
Um, you know, I know you're you're a very busy guy and you'll be in the studio making more hits today. And um, but I'll ask you one question yeah. that, you know, that I ask everybody that comes on that's very meaningful for me. And the question is very simple. It's if there was one thing that you wish everybody in the entire world knew. If there's just one thing that you wish everybody knew. What would that be? I mean, I would I would have to say that, you know, in the worst, worst moments of things going on, I truly believe they're, they're one, as cliche as it sounds, it's, it's in God's plan. And two, I would say that with time, everything, everything makes its way. You, you can't you can't fake or you can't rush what's supposed to happen. And you might have to go through the worst things possible. But if you rush to even make that worst thing get better too fast, then you might be missing out on the biggest thing that's going to ever happen to you. So that's so, that's so beautiful. So you know beautiful. And it's like you could be having two months of garbage happening to you, three months of trash happening to you, four months, but, and, and, and trust me, there's ways to always try and fix things immediately, but you're forcing the fix. You got to let the fix do its own thing because sometimes it could be that month six or month seven where all of a sudden you're in the lowest, lowest point where you just don't even think there's any way of coming out of it and something is going to open up and, 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 I can believe in, in just time and stuff, but I know that there's a greater power that's actually, you know, they're testing you. Everything's a test. And even these first hundred years of life, I believe is a test, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's, and, and, and we can, you can do people wrong and you can try to get to the things faster than you want to get, you know, you can try to get a million dollars faster than you want to get a million dollars by robbing it. Or you can let the plan you know, make its way and, and be a part of the test because the test is to test you. And if you can survive that, well, you're, you're with the big guy up there, you know? For sure. I love it. I think it's so beautiful. And, uh, I agree. I mean, that's, um, that's special, man. There's, there's most definitely, you know, and, and I, I hate to like, you know, I, I didn't grow up too too religious i mean my mom is greek and and she brought huh? us to the greek orthodox church yeah, yeah i stopped going in like around grade four and but i always had this thing inside me where i kept my faith so even though i wasn't yeah, they're sure, not the same thing religion and faith and those that's something they're not the same like they, they, they can't they can be but they but they don't but they're not i think people miss you know, I was an English major. I'm an English major attorney by trade. So okay. words like matter to me yep. and making faith and religion synonymous is just not, they're not the same words. Can they, do they coexist in yes. certain instances? Sure. But it sounds like you have your own relationship with your God, your higher power, and that's where you find your strength. And, 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 and I, I try to tell people without sounding crazy, but like, you know, there are some times where you just close your eyes and you just think and you give thanks and you, if you really need something in that moment and you can just connect properly, everything starts to open up. 
and 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 so it got to a point where sometimes I get on the phone with my mom and she like she lights candles. We do a whole thing at this point. And I, 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 I can say that I've never been let down. Even when I think things are letting me down, it's like what I just said. They're actually just testing me and they're opening up that whole other realm. And that keeps us fearless. You know what I mean? Now that I've, now that I've felt that before and I've seen you that. You can operate from a place of love is what you're saying. Operates from a place of love and openness yeah. versus fearfulness. Absolutely. And it wasn't always well, like that. And that took, that took a lot of time. That took that, years. That, that's absolutely beautiful. And it's, it's an, and it's a never ending process, right? I mean, it's, you know, whether it's getting up every day, working, practicing, whatever sport you're in, business you're in modality, whatever your profession is, we know people say, Oh, you take it one day at a time. And I don't think that's right. I think you take it. It's one second at a time, like, you know, fighting the negative, the self doubts, the, you know, whatever the things that are happening, you know, the bullshit that we all deal with and everything, you know, they call it work for a reason, not fun. I mean, cause you know, it's work and you know, can you enjoy it? And of course, absolutely. But there's, you know, shit, still shit that needs to be shoveled as we all know. hundred percent, man. Yeah, dude. What about you? How would you answer that? Actually, no one's, uh, you're the first person to ask me that question. Nobody's right, answered, so. asked me that question yet. And if there's one thing that I wish that everybody in the whole world knew is that their thoughts, what they hold in their mind and setting a goal of what you want to do that is in line with what your authentic passion is, you will achieve. Wow. If you believe it, truly in your mind of what that thing is that you want to do and it has a an added value to humanity to a person to a business to a family and you solidify that down and you make it real and tangible so as a real estate guy you know making a blueprint before building a building goal setting is the same way it's a science writing that goal down and believing it with all your heart because the intention and the why behind what you're trying to achieve is authentic, pure, and has integrity, you can achieve anything. I agree. Wow. I love that. It's, it's so true, man. It's insane. And, and you, can't, you can't believe in it, but actually deep down only believe 50. You know, you got you to gotta believe 120%. And that's... That, that, that's, I mean, you, there's no truer words that have been said. Look, uh, I look forward personally for us to sit down, spend some time together, stay in very close touch. I'm going to be at one of the shows coming and we're going to, we're going to chop it up and spend some time because there's a, there's a lot of conversations that you and I need to have, uh, we need to have offline about discovery, discovering some, uh, some deeper truths, but bro. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for the, your wisdom. And I know the listeners, you uh, you blessed their ears today, my brother. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's all love and I got you anytime. All right, bro. We'll talk in a bit. Take it Peace easy. Out. Thank you for listening. To access the full scope of lessons, pre-order your own personal copy of the book, The Gift of Failure. Currently available on Amazon, and other platforms to come. Until next time, fail on, my friends.